Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Beitza, daf Chavbet, page 22. Well, we're more than halfway done with this Masachat. We're at a very fast pace. Every day, Ann and I learn this daf and say, it's such a long daf. So I just, again, I feel like we we can't possibly get to everything. Um, but they're buried in here with a very interesting story about Ula. Ve'en so kfin et so the Mishnah that we had read on the previous staff, which was talking about these three stringencies that Rav Gamliel had, that he was according to Beit uh, Shammai on Achav. One was that you can't set up, you can't pick up a menorah that fell, right? A candelabra that fell. So the question is, right? What does, you know, what what's the the prohibited malacha that you're doing if you set it up? Amarel Kinana Barbisna. So Rav Kinana Barbisna says, we're dealing with a candelabra of segments. So in other words, it's not one full candelabra, but it's in parts, right? And so it falls apart or you want to reassemble it basically. And so it looks like you're building. And so Beit Shammai holds that there is a prohibition right? You're not allowed to build when it comes to Kalim. So therefore you can't build a menorah or make it, you know, you can't reconnect them. And Beit Hillel says, is basically saying, no, there's no issue with this. Ain't binyam bikalim, right? There's no prohibition to this. The ain't stira bikalim. And there's also no prohibition uh, with um, dis, uh, with dismantling the, the vessels. Now we have the story. Ula ikale levei rab. So Ula one time went to visit the, the house of Rav Yehuda on Achag. We should all recognize that word from Chad, from Chad Gaja, right? So what happens? Uh, this uh, Ula's servant stood up and tilted the, the, the lamp. And basically by doing that, some of the lamp goes to one side, right? And the and what that did was it prevents the oil from getting to the wick, right? So that the light would go out faster. So in other words, it's like he diverts some of the oil so the light would go out by tilting it. Eitve Rav Yehuda Ula. So Rav Yehuda basically rejects this to Rav Yehuda, to Ula. And so he says, somebody who adds oil to a lamp, right, on Shabbat, is chayav, right, mishum mavir, right, for kindling a lamp. And somebody who supplies, like who supplies himself with oil, right, is is uh, for extinguishing. Right. So in other words, what he basically says is that any, he's basically looking at Ula and he's like, what, what is your servant doing? Doesn't your servant know you can't make the fire stronger, like you can't kindle. You also can't do anything that's going to make it extinguish. And so Ula basically says, yeah, my servant did this without my knowing, right? I'm a Rav, Kin Vashrari. So in terms of this at all, right, about extinguishing, there's another comment here. Rav says that you're allowed to trim the ed- edge of the wick that basically became charcoal so that it will burn better, but that's not considered to be like extinguishing. So, uh, you know, this story was a little interesting to me with Ula Ula, remember, we've seen a few stories where he's sort of like always telling people what to do, particularly remember that famous story with Yalta and the wine, and he was telling his host what to do. And here we sort of see a different 
uh, part of Ula where he sort of is called out. And it's hard to imagine that his servant didn't really know uh, what to do. And here we see that a servant didn't know what to do. And he admits to being wrong, right? He basically says, well, I wouldn't say he admits to being wrong. He said, Lab adate. Like he basically says, my servant did this without my knowing. So I, I don't know. I'm left with a lot of questions about this story. And it's a part of Ula that, that was that was unexpected to me. I think my question is, you know, who's running the show, right? Is it the the servants are taking care of the house, but they don't quite know what to do. So why aren't they being better informed? Or is this just making excuses for an error? You know, I, right. But we've seen on previous Gotham, you know, like some of those things about like not doing certain things because like the server, you know, with the mortar and pestle. So, you know, I think there is a sensitivity to hear that, like, when we have other people in our homes and we're not in charge of everything, it may not get done exactly the way that we want. And that is something to be sensitive to. Yep, I hear that. All right. We've got the promised Mishnah um, towards the end of a bet. This is the same Rabbi Gamliel from the previous staff. But here we've got his leniencies. It doesn't even bother with the whole long introduction, right? Like it's, this is, I feel like the Mishnah, and sometimes you see this in different Masafta, you'll see a whole long text coming out of the Mishnah and it all kind of flows, except for then it kind of gets chopped up to be able to intersperse the Gemara text in between the Mishnah that it's relevant to. So here, the Mishnah just continues from the previous Mishnah. Who's he, who's the who here? Again, it's Rabbi Gamaliel, but it doesn't tell us that. Um, explicitly. Um, so he had three leniencies. And these leniencies, it's not just like following Beit Hill as opposed to Beit Shammai. These are more lenient than most of the other members of Chazal. Namely, Mechabdim Beit HaMitot. Mechabdim Beit HaMitot means, like, literally means to honor, I guess, the the room that you'd have your beds in, or in this case, perhaps couches, right? And what does that mean? Nowadays, we would call this room the dining room, not the bedroom, right? Because they would recline on these couches to eat. That was their practice in the way you picture a, you know, like a Roman feast or the way we, sometimes people will talk about the cedar this way, right? And the idea is that when you come to sweep the room, you might also, you know, the floor is not paved um, over in the way that we have floors nowadays. So if you come to sweep the floor, then you might actually smooth out the floor and you might actually tip into doing some kind of leveling of the ground, which would then be some kind of malacha on Shabbos, yontif rather, right? But but Rabbi Gamil says you could do it. You could sweep the you can sweep the room where even though there might be holes that you'd fill in. And you know, the assumption here is because there's a need, you know, to pick up the crumbs. Um, okay, next. What does this mean? That you can put incense, that's your mugmar there, you can put incense in on burning coals and it's going to perfume the house on the festival. Now, this is tricky, right? Because it's not eating and it's not cooking for the sake of eating. It is using, uh, you know, a heating element, in this case, you know, coals, and it's going to smoke the incense. So it's certainly, you've got some kind of like I don't know, cooking activity is from a from a chemical perspective, but it's not the general thing of preparation of food. So how could they, this be acceptable? Um, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and then, and the last leniency is that you can prepare a whole goat, a whole kid, 
that's roasted whole, you know, um, on Leil HaSeder, the night of Passover, when they traditionally would be, you know, roasting a lamb. Um, so he says you could also use a goat. And now, this is the trick, the kicker, the Chachami Mosrin, done, meaning it's very nice that Rabban Gamliel is matir, is lenient with regard to each of these things and would permit them, but Chazal, the, the body that is making these decisions for the majority says no. So these are prohibited. Um, you know, they're prohibited on each one, right? Prohibited lest you come to level the ground. Prohibited lest you're burning the incense because it's not food preparation, right? And then prohibited to eat the kid that would be roasted whole on the night of Pesach because it looks like um, you're eating some consecrated food outside of the Beit Mikdash, which is inappropriate. It could only, You're only eating consecrated food in the Beit Mikdash and anything that's roasted outside should just be I don't know, not not a full roasted goat on Lel HaSeder. Um, I wanted to come back to comments on the incense. This I thought was very interesting. Um, right, so from the from the outset, it looks like it's going to be prohibited. It should be prohibited because you're not preparing food. And the question then is, you know, why is it that you're um, why is it that you're burning this incense to begin with? Are you burning incense because you want to have a pleasant smell in your house, you know? Um, or are you trying to get the smoke? Or are you, I mean, there's a whole different, there's several different ways you could, what, what your motivation could be. Are you trying to scent the, the house? Are you trying to scent your clothing? And so on. And to me, this is a, a fine example that I would line up with, you'll forgive me, modern day cigarette smoking on Yantif, which uh, if you ask me, cigarette smoking should be prohibited under all circumstances, um, but they didn't ask me. Um, so then the question is, you know, there, there are people who will smoke from an, exi- an existing flame, a pre-existing flame on Yantif because the quote-unquote cooking that happens to the cigarette is, neg- is considered acceptable is for the enjoyment of it, let's say, as opposed to, I, I don't know why you else would be smoking a cigarette. Um, I, you know, I don't know how addiction might factor in or something like that. But the idea here then is, um, you know, if you're smoking the incense for kind of any reason other than simply purely enjoying this, then that would be, that's like more problematic. But the moment you're coming to the same way that you come to eat and that's like to your own benefit and it's a positive thing, so, too, you could then smoke the incense as a pleasing, pleasant simchat yom tov type of thing, except for the fact that chachamim osrin, meaning, no, you can't, we don't permit these leniencies. Yeah, I mean, this whole issue about the leniencies is, you know, it's sort of like swinging totally the other way. And I, I, I just, I don't know, like, I'm really seeing how intricate many of these halachot are for yom tov, but there's also a piece of it of, like, so much of their day-to-day life had to be about preparing. And so much of our life is like pre-packaged that we just don't seem <laughs> to have these things. I think that's a fair point. I think that's an important point. You know, the the idea that there are leniencies that people might take advantage of that we don't even think of as lenient because our lives are so much already meant, rendered so much more easy. Technically easy, I mean, you know, in terms of labor-intensive uh, preparations. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I, you know, like, I don't know, like life is easier for us. It's not as labor intensive. 
and there's so much here. It's like detailing out anything you could possibly have to do to, to make food or just to do anything, basically, you know, to set up light. It just, everything seems very labor intensive. Right. And then, and now, you know, and we have these like checklists that are so relatively as compared to this is relatively negligible, but if you don't follow what you, what, you know, what we need to do to prepare for Yontif, you know, you're still going to feel like you're in trouble for all that we have. It's so much easier. It's not as if we can like jump between one world and the next and understand that our world is easier. Our world is as tough as we feel that it is. But when you look at the Gemara, um, we technically have it much easier. Listen, we're not slipping water to do the washing, but you know, we're not slipping our clothes to the creek. All of this makes life easier to begin with. So that's our gap discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hodgin website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. learn.